You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Of the word of the Lord, tonight we are showing a video here at Faith Church that I forgot to announce. At 6 o'clock there will be a movie documentary called Nothing But the Truth. Um, If you don't know this, the truth... The truth, truth is under attack in, um, in the world. And so um, this, this movie is about that and trying to convince people that the truth is still the truth. And so I hope you will come and enjoy the movie. It'll be shown up here. Um, I had thoughts of showing it in the fellowship hall, but I think um, it's best to be shown up here. Um, for other reasons. Um, So again, uh, come and enjoy that. It'll start at six o'clock on the dot as close as I can get to six o'clock because I I want to uh, be done by that 7.30 mark, um, at least on the movie by 7.30. Um, So again, you can come and enjoy that movie. Um, It's a bunch of, I keep on saying um, and I don't like to say um, and then I get mad at myself. There's a bunch of pastors that are a part of this that are good guys, and uh, you will recognize a lot of them. Tony Evans, uh, Lee Strobel, and some others that uh, have have been through the battle. And so I pray that you will come and enjoy that movie. Again, starting at 6 o'clock, bring a friend. Please know it is, um, you know, we've tried to announce this. it does not shy away from some pretty, uh, pretty hot topics today. And so uh, please understand that uh, when you come, that it will be dealing with it biblically, biblically. And that's what's important. So we need to, uh, we need to consider that. So today we continue our sermon series, Truth and Lies. And it's built around that, that movie but um, in your bulletin, I was going to pull it out, but I'm not going to. There's a, there's a full sheet, a full white sheet that is my sermon outline. And then on the back, if you flip it, there is some, some biblical helps for you if you struggle with this topic today. Uh, I went through CBD and I went through some other places and got some helps and I just cut and pasted right on the sermon outline so that if you come out of here today and you say, I struggle with that. I struggle with this, with this anxiety. Um, you have something to help you with uh, because I don't want to just leave you hanging. I also want to apologize right off the bat. If you've heard a pastor, and unfortunately I've heard of pastors telling people this, and, and, I, and I just feel like I got to say it this morning. If you've heard a pastor say that you struggle with anxiety because your faith isn't great enough, I'm sorry, period. It's ridiculous. It's not true. Anxiety happens. And I am very sorry that some of my brothers and sisters in the ministry have decided to kind of shame people that struggle with this very thing. And so I just want to be straight up with you that I do not agree with that mindset, it will not be, you will not hear words like you just get over it. You will not hear words like if your faith is greater, you'll just somehow not wake up battling it someday. 
you won't hear that today because I don't believe that today. I don't believe Scripture gives us that thinking. There's a battle that goes on in our minds every day of every week of every second. And that battle is the difference between whether we're anxiety-filled or peaceful. And every one of us struggles with it. Some of us can go into some situations and have no anxiety at all. Others of us can go into some situations and just about melt down. The difference is, who's, where's our minds at? Where's our... Where's our hearts at? Something many of us have been dealing with this last year or so is anxiety. It's actually almost been two years since we shut down for COVID. I just asked my wife this last night as we sat at supper. What, what day did we shut down for COVID? Almost two years. And we're still battling it out. Still got some anxiety. It creeps its ugly head at times when we least expect it. I will honestly say up front right to you about three years ago, this was never even a thought, or at least as far as I know, it wasn't even a thought in my mind. There was no anxiety at all in my heart or my life. In fact, I probably, like many of my brothers, believed that it was because my faith was stronger. Then one afternoon, a few years back, when we, were when we were going through the adoption and things were getting a little tight, two of the kids' best, two of the best kids ever, I'm trying to read this and I'm tearing up already, were about to become a part of our lives as son and daughter. I remember like it was yesterday, Michelle was working in the living room, as she does because she works from home, and I called to Michelle saying, I feel like my chest is going to explode. She encouraged me to seek medical help. That's always a good thing. I made an emergency appointment with my family doctor because being the man of the family, I certainly wasn't going to the hospital. I remember sitting in the doctor's office to which my doctor said, your vitals look wonderful. I think you're having an anxiety attack. I couldn't believe it. She said things like medication and such. That's my doctor said that, not Michelle. I remember thinking something is wrong with my faith. I would not be experiencing this if I just had enough faith to fight this off. I'm a pastor for goodness sake. I can't struggle with such things. Let me stop the story and say, those are lies that Satan teaches us, friends. He makes us believe that we don't measure up, that we are alone in our battles, and we have nothing to fight them. If you have had a pastor say words like, and I already said this, but I jumped the gun, sorry. Words like, well, grow your faith and anxiety will go away. Let me just say again, I'm sorry. Sometimes in our attempt to give quick answers to huge, huge, huge issues, we say some pretty dumb stuff. Because we just want to give you a quick answer. That's our job, to fix the problem. And unfortunately, sometimes we're too arrogant to say, you know what? 
don't know what the answer is. And sometimes we say things that just simply do not help. And in fact, that's wrong of us. Anxiety is the new depression. What Prozac was for the previous 20 years and Xanax is for the present time. This is actually from a New York Times article just recently written. We have moved from down and depressed to stressed and anxious. Truth is, is that anxiety is real, but it almost always lies to you. However, anxiety doesn't have to win, even if it tells you, even if it tells you that it will win. Anxiety manifests itself in a multitude of ways, feeling distressed, uneasy, worried, upset, fearful, apprehensive, agitated, fretful, restless, nervous, and fidgety, to name just a few. Fear can be a symptom of anxiety or the cause of it. Fear and anxiety are different, yet interrelated. One doctor said it this way in that article that I just referred to. The difference between fear and anxiety is that fear is usually caused by tangible objects or threats. Anxiety picks up where fear leaves off and is mostly directed toward unimagined, unimagined, unrealized objects or conditions. Anxiety is more vague, yet more pervasive, is what this doctor said. I tell you that anxiety has had its timeshare on the property of my heart for the last three years, and it's not fun. Sometimes waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning and being so angst that I can't even fall back to sleep. And when I'm asked by Michelle, what are you so nervous about? I don't know. I don't know. You see, one of the blanks on your sermon outline says this, anxiety is senseless because it fails to acknowledge that God the Father cares for me and is in complete control. Now, I want to kind of call a timeout after saying that sentence. Here's the thing that we all struggle with, and this is what Eve struggled with last week. This plays into last week's sermon. We all want to be our own God. We have a God complex, right? We want, we want to make the decisions because when we let God make the decisions, he doesn't make them like we would make them, correct? He stands by standards, and his standards don't line up with our standards, right? We want to do things the way we want to do things. And so Eve has this struggle in her heart. And, and so what does Satan promise her? You remember the story. Satan promises her freedom. If you just eat of the fruit, you'll have all the freedom in the world. You'll get to live like you want to live because you will be what? Your own God. You'll be just like him. And so everyone sitting here today, whether you're far from God or close to God or whatever, you have a God complex because we all do. We all want to be in control of our own lives. And when things are spinning out of control that we have no control of, we get fidgety. When things don't look like they should, 
we struggle. Anxiety accomplishes nothing useful on its own. It really serves no purpose unless we turn our worry and fear into a desire to grow our faith. It's the only way it can do anything good for us. You know, Jesus says something like that when he says in Matthew, who of you has added just one hour to your day by worrying about it? We can choose to remain an anxious mess or we can allow our anxiety be, to be a promoter for greater trust in God. Now, don't hear me saying that if you just have trust in God, the anxiety will go away. That's exactly what I told you off the beginning I wasn't going to say. No, you see, when anxiety comes, when, God, when our God complex comes to the forefront and we want to be in charge, so we want to make the decisions, we really don't care about God's opinion. I mean, in all honesty, we don't. When we're in this God complex, when we're in this anxious moment, we don't really care about God's opinion. What we want to do is solve the problem so we can move on. And that's what happens with Eve in the garden. If I just eat of this fruit, all my problems will be gone. If I just do this, I will have all the freedom in the world. And so she takes and she eats. And so the same struggle goes on in each of our hearts this morning. And at that moment, we have a choice. Will, will God be, and, and this is why we, we pick the songs that we pick, will God be the king of our hearts? Or will we be the king that sits on that throne over there and we just have this whole stage to ourselves? And we'll check in with him every once in a while to make sure he's okay with what we're doing. But we really don't give a rat it's the rear end what he says. See, that's where many people are stuck today. They've laid this aside. They've laid the revelation of God's word aside and they've put it on the altar rail and they've walked away from it. And what they've said is, is that God is on my stage, but he's not the king of my heart. In essence, if, 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 if the throne was here, what we're doing is we're trying to one cheek it with God, not to be disgusting. But that's what we're trying to do. When we're in that God moment, God, could you scoot over a little bit and give me a little bit of room on the throne? Because, like, like, you know, I, I can't honestly have you calling the shots. Because I may disagree with your shot calling. And then when he starts calling the shots, you start saying, oh boy. What am I going to do? What I want to do this morning is to give you some things to help in those times. But before I do, please know that I'm not stating these as easy or simple solves. Lord knows this is a battle. 
And I will tell you one thing, if you are ready to battle it out, if you are ready to grow your faith, you can put your seatbelt on and get yourself ready because you will go through loops. If you think this is a solve as quick as solving a pill or taking a pill, you are wrong about it. If you think it's going to be over if you just read your Bible one more minute a day, again, buckle your seatbelts. You're in for the ride of your life. You see, for a long, we've lived in a world that has spoiled us. That's what's happened. And now the church is faced with a world that isn't spoiling us. What do you mean? Can I tell you, in 1980, you could stand on a street corner and preach the Word of God as pure as you can preach it. You, can, you could read it. You could do whatever you wanted to do. I was part of those kind of things, not in 1980 because I was only four. But in other years, you could do whatever you wanted to do. When I was growing up, when we got calendars together, you know what we did literally for vacation? We'd literally say, well, my dad was a trustee at the church. And do you know that sometimes when he came home from board meetings, it was one o'clock in the morning? Don't go past eight. Because they were hashing out issues. Because it wasn't a wasted time. It was serious getting the job done. We would sit as a family and my dad would say, no, we can't go that date because I have to read scripture and because we had board members read the scripture and do the announcement. You can't go that date for vacation because I have scripture reading. My mom would say, you can't go that date because I have to do junior church or whatever. I don't think there was junior church back in that day. I know there wasn't um, because I had to sit through the service. You know it's flipped, right? Now church is the last thing to be considered. I'm just telling you what the truth of the matter is. Now this is just a cruddy old book that just has old stories that doesn't really tell truth. And when you stand in opposition of some things you get fired back on because this this isn't this isn't truth so we've lived in a spoiled world which was called um a christian world now we are fast approaching from what People who are a lot smarter than me, fast approaching a world that's called post-Christian world. Guys like Kerry Newhoff, who studies the world and what they believe, say that we have entered a post-Christian world where you got to change the game. It's no longer accepted. It's truth because God said it. 
in essence, what people are saying today is, is that if God came back, he'd rewrite this entire book. And what that does for us as pastors and as church leaders and as people who sit in churches, it causes anxiety because now the game is not under control. We're no longer spoiled. Now we got to defend what we believe. That's why I'm very glad for a pastor or intern who's taking our youth through an apologetics class who just today wrote their own creed in this room back here. Because it's so important that they know what they believe because it's no longer God said it, it's true. Can't do that here. We're beyond that world. Leave it to Beaver is long gone. And it causes anxiety. We don't know which way it's going to go. And now the rubber meets the road when these truths come up in Philippians chapter 4 that, that Pastor Landon read for you. Let's look at three priorities that Paul gives to the church at Philippi. Remember, we, we have to remember this is, this is key to the, to the context of the scriptures. Philippians is not written to a, an individual believer. See, I think sometimes we read scripture and we say, oh, that's written for me, man. That's, that's my verse. It may be your verse and you may apply it to your own heart, but it was written in a context of a church. And this church was facing some of the very similar things that we face. Now, they were not living in a post-Christian world, but they were facing persecution. They were facing, do you really believe what you believe? They were facing people who were calling their truths out. They were facing false teachers, people who were changing their, their teaching. And so the Philippian church is up against it. They're getting anxiety filled and the apostle Paul knows it. And so the apostle Paul writing this from chains, by the way, says some truths to them. And as I read these truths, I thought to myself, this is what I love about the word of God. Because these truths apply today. He doesn't write old stuff. So here's the truths. Here's the first one. Priority number one, the three priorities. Number one, choose rejoicing no matter what. Listen to what he says in verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Again, context here. Paul is talking to them about unity in the body. And in order to have that unity, positive Christian virtues need to reign at the forefront. They need to reign at the forefront. So when you come together, you, you, you need to leave the trash at the door. Is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, body, what's been happening is the trash has come into the place. And so instead of being a unified body, what is happening in the church of Philippi is, is that they're focusing on all the negative things. You know, such as we're not getting the numbers we once got. 
Budget's a little thin. And the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, when you come together, the first thing I want you to work on is is being positive Christian values. Are you saved this morning? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that even if the earth caves in, even if the economy tanks out, your, your future is not bet on some 401k sitting in Myerstown, Pennsylvania. Your future is on Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is, is let's, let's get back to the, to the Christian virtues of positivity. Let's look at what is positive instead of what is negative. Let's come together and leave the trash at the door. Because what was happening was the Philippians were coming in and they were singing King of My Heart like this. You're the king of my heart. This is the day that Jesus made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I remember singing that song at National Conference and Bishop Cole said, could you all just um, make sure that your faces know what song you're singing? Because you all look like a bunch of grumpy, not you. This was aimed at me, National Conference, 19-something. And he said, you all look like a bunch of depressed Germans. Is he really the king of your heart? Then let it rip. Does he really make you joyful, joyful, we adore thee? Then let it rip. Do you really need him every hour? Then let it rip. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying because they're standing around saying, I don't know why we're doing this. You know what's amazing is, as I thought about this this past week, Christ has said, blessed are the peacemakers, and yet many of us from time to time get caught in causing things short of peacemaking, don't we? We spend more time trying to divide than bring peace. Paul is saying in the body, keep it positive as much as possible. There will be negative things come up because we're, we're, we're sinners. This is written at a time of vicious attacks on Christians and just flat out not a good situation. A time where truth was questioned and fighting and bickering in the church reigned. So how do we do this? Well, it's in a question. Does something bring you joy or someone, mainly Christ, because if your joy is in Jesus Christ, he doesn't change. If your joy is wrapped up in you or something, or what someone says about you, well, friends, your joy is under attack every day of the week. So the question is, what is your joy wrapped in? If it's wrapped in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't really matter if I get chewed out after this service for something I said. Because in all honesty, my joy ain't wrapped up in what that person thinks of me. But do you know how many times I've heard 55 great sermon, pastor, great message, and one person came out and had a comment that was negative, and do you know what I focused on the rest of that day and the rest of that week? The one why? 
because my joy was in what others thought of me, not in what Jesus Christ thought of me. And so the Apostle Paul is saying here, listen, friends, you want to know why your joy goes up and down like a roller coaster ride? Because maybe your joy is focused on these things and not on Christ himself. And as long as you focus on these things, these people, these finances, these whatever, they're going to let you down. Because here's the deal. These are sinners. He is not. I'll let you down. And so in Philippians chapter 1 or 4, the Apostle Paul is stating in this first priority, listen, you want to you fight some anxiety? Put your joy where Jesus is. Put all your eggs in his basket. Don't split them. And that's what we're good at, right? We are. We're, we're really good at that. Why do you think Jesus says in the Gospels, you can't serve both money and me? Because he knows we're good at splitting them. He knows that's what we want to do. Priority number two, be gentle. (laughs) Be gentle. This was was a surprise to me this past week. I I told the staff today, or Friday, this, this message really really hit me. It's a good one. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Here's the really cool thing. There's no single Greek word that translates this well. But the idea is this, and and I want you to catch this. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Philippian church, and it's powerful. You don't always need to get your way. Notice the word all there. Paul is literally saying to the Philippian church, you know those false teachers? Those people making up stories about you? Those who don't like you? Those who wish to see you destroyed? Yes, them. Would you please be gentle with them? Would you please love them more? Would you please be careful with them? Wait, wait, time out, Paul. So you're writing to me. I'm a member of the Philippi Church. And you're writing to me, and you're telling me that this guy, and let's, let's pretend that I'm the pastor of the Philippi Church, all right? And I got this guy out there. He's preaching something other than Christ, right? He's preaching that you can get saved by ordering Domino's pizza five times a year. All right, I'm just making a ridiculous statement, all right? If that was the case... I'm good to go. No, just kidding. Actually, we prefer Papa John's at our house. But anyway, um, sorry, Domino's employees that might be here today. Anyway, so he says we, we can get saved through Papa John's pizza or Domino's pizza. So I want to rip his neck off. Like you're leading my people. I'm the shepherd here. You're leading my people to believe that if they just pick up the phone and call this pizza delivery guy five times a year, they're going to be saved for eternity. And I take my job pretty serious. I know that frustrates some people sometimes because I want to know what's being taught at Bible studies. 
Because like as the shepherd, at the end of the day, you ain't paying for it. I am. And so I want to make sure that whatever's being taught at our Bible studies, at our connection groups, and our Sunday school classes is biblical. Because I'm going to be held accountable. Not the teacher. Yes, they will be held accountable eventually too, but ultimately it comes back to me. And so I am a little stickler for that. So I, I got this guy in here that's trying to tell my people that all they have to do is call a pizza delivery guy, and all I want to do is rip into him. I want to go up to him and grab him by the scuff of his neck and say, would you get out of here with your ridiculous teaching? And what the Apostle Paul is saying to the, to, the, to the pastors of the church of Philippi, to the leaders of the church of Philippi, yes, even those who are trying to destroy the souls of the very people that you were called here to lead, who you love with all of your heart, who you want to see get into heaven and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, yes, even those people, be gentle with them. If I could put it in 2021 language, what Paul's saying is don't be a jerk. Don't kick them around. Just because they believe something different than you do. There's been this Thing, and this is what came to mind right off the bat. I'm going to look for it here. I had one here. <laughs> this is the 2021 example of what the Apostle Paul is talking about to Christians. You can disagree. you don't got to slam them about it. See, this is what God hit me with in my office. Be gentle. Because you're going to win more people over to your idea of thinking. What the Apostle Paul is saying is by being gentle than you are by slamming them. I'm only speaking for myself now, and I'm not speaking for the church, but there's been times when I've been less than gentle. And I've hurt my witness. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is, listen, we can, we can agree to disagree. And I know there's debate whether that's even humanly possible. reality is is that we, we need to be gentle even with those who believe things that we consider not to be what they are now hear me out here's what this doesn't mean and we need to be clear on this it does not mean that you sacrifice truth because you're being gentle See, that's where 
we are pushing this thing, in my opinion, a little too far. Because when we're being gentle, sometimes what we say is, is that, well, because you disagree with this, this way, you hate those people. No, I don't sacrifice truth because I'm being gentle. I still stand on truth. I told this story on a Wednesday night. I'm not going to tell the whole story tonight, but a couple of days or a couple of years ago, we had our community fun fest here at Faith Church. We used to have blow-ups galore out here in the backyard. We had like 300 people show up and Two of those people were living a lifestyle that we would consider not a good lifestyle. And I remember them approaching my wife and I in the front porch and saying, we'd, we'd really like to attend your church, but we know that we don't live a lifestyle that is in accord with the word of God. They didn't say those words, but that's what they were saying. And my response may have shock some of you if you were out there on the front porch listening to the response but my response was you are certainly welcome to come and sit in these pews any day you want but please know if I come to a scripture passage in a sermon series and it's dealing with your particular sin I'm not going to skip over it because you're sitting in our pews because I don't sacrifice truth for being gentle. Just like I wouldn't skip over a scripture passage that talks about overeating. Could be really easy for a guy my, like me. Say, I think I'll just... Why? Because they sin differently than I sin. Hmm. See, being gentle doesn't sacrifice truth. In fact, I went one step farther and actually called them one week and said, hey, I just, just want you to know ahead of time that I'll be dealing with a passage of Scripture that's going to be talking about you as a couple, and it's going to hurt. I'm not aiming it at you. I'm aiming it at at the truth of the word of God and this is where we stand say thank you and for those that are wondering they sat here and listened to it and they loved me at the end of the day see being gentle gets you somewhere slapping them with the bible and saying get your act together is not exactly the answer that God wants for us that could have been the easy response. Look, you're, I mean, I, I laid it out for them. I, I probably laid it out too far. I told them they would probably not become members. Because it's the truth. But that doesn't mean I don't love them. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Paul is saying here, someday Christ is going to handle all of this. All of this junk. 
Someday Christ is going to sit. And, and this is what he means when he says the Lord is, I believe it's still up there, the Lord is near. Someday he's going to sit on his throne and he's going to roll in all this junk. I'm talking about all of it. He's going to make the final call on what was sin and what wasn't sin. He's going to make the final call on all of it. And you know what? Here's what I believe, and it's humbling to believe this. There will be things that I was dogmatic about as a pastor that I cannot give an inch on this, and I'm going to be wrong. And I guarantee you there are things that you're dogmatic about that you believe 100%. And he's going to roll in the other way. And you're going to go, wow, I missed that one. Now, I'm not talking about anything that I just talked about. I'm talking about little issues. But we have these beliefs. And what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church of Philippi, the church of Philippi, not individual believers, the entire church of Philippi, can we please get beyond our belief and have unity in Jesus Christ? And we do that by being gentle in places where we may not agree. Priority number three. Here it is. Eradicate anxiousness. Now, that said, this is, this is where you need to buckle your seatbelt. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is only through deep prayer. Let me say those words again. This is only through deep prayer. We are not talking about popcorn prayer. We are not talking about microwave prayer, which is what one of the favorite things that we like to do today. We think that if our dinner can be done in two minutes, we should be done our prayers in two minutes. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that if you want to fight anxiousness, you want to fight your desire to be in control, you want to fight God, the God symptoms in your life. You want to fight being in control of every little thing. Friends, the only way you can do that is to be on your knees. All the time. personal relationship with Christ. Again, these words are written with that understanding. If you have not come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's where, here's where we, we get it wrong sometimes as the church. We, we sometimes take these scripture passages and we say to our unsaved friends, our friends who are far from God, we say things like, if you just do this, it'll be all okay. No, because they haven't made the first thing first. Or can I say it another way? They haven't made the first person first. 
Jesus Christ. And so until then, these things will not make sense to them. They have blinders that are put on by the enemy. Paul's clear here. He's not calling for apathy or I just don't, won't care about the church or anything really attitude. No, what he's calling for is prayer, deep prayer for the church, for your actions. Be concerned about it. Do something with it. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Don't just talk about it. Don't just think about it. Do something with it. Pray about it and go and do something with it. Now look, there's, there's, there's some peace of God explained here. First of all, it's a divine peace. This is up on the screen as well. It's a divine peace. In other words, his peace through work of Jesus Christ and our salvation. This is a peace that comes from only him. Again, if you don't know him, if you haven't made the first person first, you're already at, at, a, at a loss. Because you can't experience his peace until you know him. Number two is this, transcends all understanding. Human understanding cannot grasp it. To other humans, you should really be losing your mind, but yet you don't. When others look at you in the situation that you're in, they think, why aren't you losing your marbles, man or woman? I don't understand it. Your world is falling apart and you're somehow just like uh, cool, calm, and collected about it. Because it transcends all understanding. No one can make sense of it. I should be losing my cookies over this, but I'm not. Number three, guard your hearts and your minds, the peace of God does. It acts as a lookout to guard our hearts and our minds from anxiety. That's what it does, the peace of God. Again, you need him to have this. One of the things that the peace of God does is it kind of has that, it has a scope and it's watching. And when anxiety is about to make a mark on your heart and your life and it's watching and it sees the peace of God kind of comes in and gives the old elbow to anxiety. It's guarding your heart. It's guarding your mind so that your mind doesn't go places that it shouldn't. Because isn't that what happens when we have anxiety attacks? Our mind goes to places that just aren't good. Like I'm alone in this. Nobody truthfully understands. I should probably just pack it up, pack it in, it's over. Here's the last kind of priority. An environment of peace at Faith Church. The call of Paul in the church of Philippi is this. Listen to what he says. He ends this scripture passage, and this is the one we, we focus on the least, and we really should focus on it more. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Here's the call to the believers in the church of Philippi and to you and I. Includes us thinking and doing what is morally and spiritually excellent. What does this involve? It involves us centering our minds on the things of Christ. Because Christ is true. Christ is noble. Christ is right. Christ is pure. Christ is lovely. Christ is admirable. Christ is excellent and praiseworthy. Think about such things. The reason we don't do this is a lot of times is because we've allowed times of truth to become blurry, friends. Lines of truth. Let me use the lyrics from a song by Casting Crowns to help us understand. And this change where our mind gets off the things of Christ and onto the world. They sing a song by the name of Slow Fade. And here's what it says. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned gray. And thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People Never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. The things we are experiencing in 2021 today, here, now, in the United States of America, didn't happen in 2021. It happened in 1985 and 1990 when we didn't stand up. When we let the lines get blurry and say, well, it's, it's not that bad. And we've been slow fading ever since. Want to get it back? Focus on what's right, what's true, what's noble. Some things that anxiety despises. I'm going to go through these very quickly. Number one, anxiety despises a timeline. It despises a timeline. When these thoughts persist, despite our efforts to focus on tasks, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I'm giving you homework now. If you have these struggles too, if you're like me, and I'm being very honest with you this morning at the hopes that I don't pay for this later, but I'm being very honest that if you struggle like me with anxiety, here's the first thing you need to do. When you start having those anxious thoughts, put it on paper. Then under that list of on that paper, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to revisit this list at 2 o'clock today. And then you go to your phone or your alarm clock or whatever you have, and you set an alarm for 2 o'clock, and you know that at 2 o'clock you're going to do it. Here's what this does. Here's what this does for your anxiety. Now you are not looking at it at 10 o'clock when you're already in the anxiety attack. And Satan's filling you with lies. You're a loser. You don't get it. You're, you're, you're scared. You're this. You're that. You don't have big enough faith. He's filling you with lies. So write it down. 
write everything down that you feel in your heart and say, I'm not going to, I'm going to just put it aside. I'm going to shove it into a corner. And then at two o'clock, I'm going to come back when I have more of a, a head about me. And I'm going to look at it because you want to know something that's, that, that doesn't, that, that anxiety doesn't like. It doesn't like a timeline. It wants to mess with you every day, any day, at any time. And so when you start putting it on a timeline and start saying, all right, listen, listen, I'm not going there right now. Here it is. Two o'clock, I'll come back to it. Guaranteed. Anxiety is going to go lower and lower. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be gone. But here's what you're doing from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. You're doing what Paul asked you to do. Holy Spirit, would you give me a time at 2 o'clock to deal with it? Would you give me power to put my thoughts behind me and look at them honestly at 2 o'clock? And what can happen? You can actually rest at that moment. Because your fears are valid. I don't want you to ever think that your fears aren't valid. You have reason to be scared. Let's not let that fear dominate us. Number two is anxiety despises truth spoken out loud. There's a great debate about this, but scripture, I believe, is pretty clear on this. And that is this. Satan does have limitations. He's a created being. He's not like God. He can't be everywhere, any place. He can't, he can't do the things that God does. And one of those things is he can't read our minds. He can certainly influence us. That's what he does with Eve. He doesn't read her mind. He influences her mind. There's a difference. He influences her mind. He makes her believe, second guess what God is saying in the garden. This truth could and should and can be a game changer in your struggle against anxiety. When we use our voice to remind God what he says to us in scripture, Satan has no choice but to do an about face and get out of here. He can't deal with it. And so let me give you an example. We're having an anxiety attack and the anxiety attack is saying this. I, I'm, I'm too small for this battle. I, I, I've had sin in my life, and, and the sin, it just, it, it, just, it just ruined me. And so no condemnation can be found in those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Scripture passes Pastor Landon used to start the service, John 3.16. That's a great verse, but what goes on after it? I didn't come to put the world down. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. So just those two thoughts. If my anxiety is over the fact that I've had sin in my life and that now I can't be used by God because I had sin in my life, if I just repeat those two scripture passages, there's no condemnation in Romans. There's no condemnation found in those in Christ Jesus. And number two, John three seventeen, I didn't come to condemn the world. I didn't come to tell you how much of a loser you were. I came to save you. If I speak those two things, Satan can't do a lick. He's got to leave because you're speaking truth, and he doesn't like truth. 
Try it. I'm not good enough. Christ says I'm good enough, just as he made me. He didn't say that I needed any kind of help. He made me as good as he possibly can, and he's the greatest creator. So say scripture passages like that to yourself. And again, it, it, it just it changes the game. Because anxiety despises truth spoken out loud. Absolutely despises it. Last, anxiety despises community. Absolutely does. Last week we looked at the fall in the garden. That was a goal. What was the goal? Really it was be your own God. Do your own thing. Who cares about the God of creation? Don't let God control you because you, he only wants to do for you what his selfish purposes say to do. Here's basically what Satan was saying to Eve in that scripture passage. Would you just be a loner? Don't do it in community. Don't worry about Adam. Don't worry about anybody else. Just do what you want to do. On the contrary, what does Christ say? You want people to know that you belong to me? Love one another. Hmm. Christ says community. Satan says do it on your own. Anxiety hates or despises. I was using hate earlier in the week and I didn't like that word. It despises community. But let me remind you of this. God knows the plans he has for you and the rest he wants you to experience when you invite his presence into your anxiety. And he loves you. Will you take time this moment using a scripture passage that's Psalm 118, verse 17. It will be on the screen. I will not die. Instead, I will tell what the Lord has done. Would you take a moment and just let that sink in? So I don't know about you, but sometimes when anxiety takes over, that's what you think is going to happen. I'm dead. I can't live like this. The leadership team here did that a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago. You will have opportunity to do that at Thanksgiving Eve service in a little while before we have our luncheon next Sunday. But when you read that scripture passage, would you just open your palms on your lap? And just say, God, take it. God, you know my thoughts. You know where I'm struggling right now. You know where my anxiety is. Would you remind me I'm not going to die? But I'm going to live forever with you if I know you. Hmm. Just let that sink in. 
you trust in him. And watch what he will do in your heart and life. So leave the garbage on the outside. Think positively. Focus on what Christ has done for you. Be gentle with those who aren't where you are. And put your anxiety in his hands. Simply powerful. Let's pray. Father, you have heard the prayers of people today. We all come with different worries, some for our relatives and friends, some for the spirituality of our nation, some for whatever reason it is. And Lord, today we have a choice to listen to the lies of the enemy who tell us things like we won't measure up. What we do doesn't matter at the end of the day. Who tells us things like you're not real. Just eat the fruit. Live your life. Help Faith Church from this day forward, Lord, to look at him and speak the truth back to him. Help us to leave the garbage at the door. There's plenty of it. Help us to focus on what good you have been doing. Help us to walk out of here today and get into our cars and travel away from here and say, Lord, thank you for a car that works. Thank you for a family that's around me. Thank you for the goodness that you give to me in spite of it. Thank you for the love that you show me, even when I'm really unlovable. Help us to see the good. Lord, help us to focus on you. Help us to do what the Apostle Paul asks us to do in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and focus on what is noble, right, and lovely. And we'll be careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. For it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Let's stand and sing Blessed Assurance together. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 